Hi, welcome to episode 142 of In The Movie Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd, And I'm Callum Reid. Hi. Hi. How was your Easter? Because we've had an Easter break, a hiatus. All I did was drive and walk. <laughs> the whole time. Just drove places and walked. Isn't that just life in general? <laughs> well, usually you just get up and lounge, but uh, <laughs> no, driving and walking. Just been out and about. Yes. Well, um, I've just come back from America. All right for some? Yeah. Um, and Easter Sunday was weird. Yeah. I spent it in the suburbs of New York with my brother's in-laws, mm. who are vastly Republican. Nice. Um, firstly, me and my brother went to see the Sunderland victory over Newcastle. At that, was, the, that, that, that was a good match. It was, at the uh, local Brazen Fox, is the name of the pub. <laughs> Not the, the one, one in... The one for my brother's in um, uh, t- outside Toronto is called the Niblick. The Niblick. <laughs> As if he travels like four thousand miles to emigrate to a different country, and his local's called the Niblick. <laughs> so it just basically involves me um, arguing with this old retired lawyer who <laughs> quote, "This is a quote: um, If Hillary Clinton's the next president, I'll put a bullet in my throat." <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's trying. She is. Mm. She takes some beating. Um, and the baseball season started as well, so I caught yeah. a Yankees game in the new stadium. Did you know Matt Kemp wasn't at the Dodgers anymore? They just got rid. Really? Well, is, yeah. is he getting on a bit? Um, I think he's about thirty-ish. But I mean, um, oh, that's um, not that's not getting on for baseball. No, terms, no, no, no not in baseball terms at all. But um, I think they basically just uh. That must have been happy with Puig and uh, moved him into centre or something. I don't know. Weird. Mm. He's playing for the Padres now. Hmm. Um. Are you enjoying the weather? As much as I can. Being a ha- <laughs> being a hairy man. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> the travails. The, yes. The hairy. <laughs> yes. It's not enticing me to groom though. So excessively. So. <laughs> Have you um you know, on dating profiles um yeah <laughs> some occasionally have body hair is on yeah. there really oh as an issue is this on gay dating pro gay dating it might websites be. it might be <laughs> yeah. that's why I said hairly because that yeah. was an option <laughs> the only thing the only thing I've seen to do with hair is uh, which is I think is outstanding match dot com uh, uh sorts you can search by hair length okay so, so you can like get... is Jesus a hair length. <laughs> No, so it's like it's like short, um, short something, long shoulder. I can't remember, but obviously I don't know short what back and shoulders. Well, no, no, no. So you can have shoulder. So for a woman, you got shoulder length there, um, back length. Oh, there. so you can half. Shorts, you don't need yeah. no need for the Hathaway. No, you just you just don't even get that that stuff uh, filtered. <laughs> Okay. Triple distilled searches, much it's like vodka. <laughs> you probably need a vodka before you go on there, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> 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 
All caps. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about Can. Yeah. Um, Just Googling it as you speak. Okay. Um, but first, Ibby has um, used the submit a question feature. <gasps> Someone's used it? No. Albeit not for a question. He's had a bit of a rant at you. Really? Me? What, what have I done now? Well, it concerns... What have, I slagged, what have I slagged off? I'll rephrase. What have I slagged well, off that Ibby likes? <laughs> it concerns last last uh, episode where we talked mm. about Cinderella. Mm. I'm going to read the rant to you. The question. The question. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because it's a bit of a question. Yeah. We should have a submit a rant one. We get so many more of those. <laughs> we could just reiterate that this can be used for rants as well. It's just yeah. it's sort of like a points of view. You yeah. Know? Anyway, so Ibby says... Shepherd, you twat. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just the subtext? <laughs> yeah, that's the subtext. Yeah. This is less of a question... And more like one of those angry letters you write to newspapers when you're too old to be above this kind of thing. Oh, dear. So I do understand if you don't read it out. No, we, we oh, did. God, this is that bad. We're going to read this out because we never get anything anyway. So we can, I, well... can I just point out that I do? I have no idea what the contents of this are. <laughs> He's literally uh, shanghaiing me with this. I think you'd be quite surprised. Yeah. Um, I've been with you guys for 141 episodes. Have we lost him? I think he deserves an Oscar for that or something else. Um, That's almost three years. Mm. It is, shockingly. And never in my life (laughs) (laughs) have I been as disgusted as I was last week. What did I give one star? When I heard heard Pete refer to himself as more, (laughs) more of an Atwood person. He makes a spitting action at this point. Yeah. Then a goddess Sandy one. Sounds like someone has entered their Henry Togner, proprietor of the Erie Mansion in London phase. What was that quote again? What was that about? Sorry. I don't remember this one. What was the quote? You you refer to a... yourselves as more you refer to yourself as more of an Atwood person than a Sandy Powell person. Yes. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that line, yeah. And then after that he submitted another round. Yeah. Sort of backwards rant on himself, mm. saying, having said that, Her Majesty's work, referring to Sandy Powell, did Who? seem... Drive <laughs> 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 away the only list that we have. Um, mm. Her Majesty's work did seem to be kind of distinctly Atwood-esque spits again in this movie. All very costumey, not very clothesy. Mm-hmm. So that's his two cents okay, slash can ten I, cents slash fifty cents. Can I just then ensure that Ibby never listens to another episode again? <laughs> but by saying that I think um, Alice in Wonderland is probably the best costume design of the decade so far. Whoa, I of the I decks. I think it's absolutely br- a brilliant. I mean, the film is is pretty much a disgrace. <laughs> in, in, in retrospect and that is the film that killed 3D for me I've never seen a fr- film in 3D since I do love the use of playing cards especially oh, in, the, in the dresses it's just the, the I, just, oh, I just think they're fantastic it's very rare that you get a because it's usually with costume design you get something that is aping a period uh, uh, back in the 19th century where they can do lots of like flowery dresses and what have you well not flowery long flowing dresses sorry or you get something that's more modern and stylish, or, or uh, and that's the sort of usual two ways you get. I think with Alice in Wonderland, it's a very unusual one where you've got basically fantasy costume design. Do you not think Colleen Atwood 
maybe a little bit in danger of burning herself out though in that way. So it's quite similar the stuff she does. Well, I, I I never really think about whether it's the same stuff she's done before. I think about whether it suits the film and the um, uh, period and the setting. Okay. But Sandy Powell, very good. I, I'm i with AB. I prefer Sandy Powell. But, um... I think it's because I besmirched all the Oscar nominations as well. Would you want to talk about... Because Sandy Powell did Far From Heaven. Yep. End of the Affair. And Shakespeare in Love, Wings of the if, Dove. Shakespeare in Love's a very good one. Young Victoria. That was quite good, yeah. Uh, I mean, but I'm mean, just... He's just... We're taking out the knives now. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Julie, the old one, she did. Uh, right. Hugo, the other Berlin girl, and then the noms are Mrs. Henderson, Aviator, Gangs of New York. See, uh, the noms are weird. Um, I actually think um, when you because the thing with Gangs of New York, for example, there's all that sort of really garish, bright blue. On like the hats at the beginning, in mm. in the uh, the scene in the snow, and I just didn't really buy it as authentic. And of course, it's not supposed to be authentic. I get it. I get it. It'd be stop shouting. <laughs> <laughs> I get that it's a, that that is not supposed to be necessarily authentic. I I get that, but I, it does it does take you out of it. I I or took me out of it a little bit. I think really, um, she's her. Uh, more interesting I'd say more interesting stuff is stuff like Orlando uh, but then she can disappear within uh, a modern period so if you have something like The Crying Game or uh, um, Michael Collins it's more in terms of just suiting uh, a specific period rather than trying to do anything particularly outstandingly brilliant I, was, I suppose that's the that's the uh, gig that's what, you, that's what you're getting paid for yeah and it's worked pretty well for her, to be fair. Uh, but, to be fair, did she design Leo's tie in Shutter Island? That is the question. Is there a specific tie? The one that he says, baby, <laughs> I love this tie because you gave it to me, but it's really fucking ugly tie. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if that was just his, and he brought yeah. it in in one day and just... Bit like Jude with the uh, teeth and bread. No, no, but it's such a good bad tie design. I'd actually give her bonus points for that tie. For that tie. <laughs> it's all about the tie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, Ibby, I hope you're appeased, at least in part. Well, I've just like blown him over the edge. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about the Cannes Film Festival. We were hoping to get Arini on, but she's um she's had a bit of news. She's emigrating. Which country? China. <laughs> Doesn't want kids then. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's um. I actually have to check whether we can disclose that information. Yeah. Publicly, but yeah, she said yeah. she's um. She wants. To, she wants a country that will actually pay her to do a job. <laughs> yeah, that would help, wouldn't it? Mm. So yeah, so she's not in the right frame of mind apparently for a podcast. So, uh, we're going to go on with the can lineup, and yeah. I have it in alphabetical order by surname of director. So, I got this from IndieWire. So, if you're Googling IndieWire no, link. Well, I've, I've got it in front of me, um, the in competition and in certain regard, and so I can see it all on one page, so it's fine. Okay. So, first of all, is uh, D Pan, mm. like the pizza. Mm. <laughs> Funny. Jack Odiard's film, 
Um, yeah. Which is about, it's got nobody famous in it. Mm. And it's the story of a Sri Lankan Tamil warrior who flees to France and ends up working as a caretaker outside Paris. So has yours got the is your has the Indy Wire one got um sorry. Has the Indy Wire one got um the people who are in it as well as the uh directors? No, I researched them all. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Carry on. Um yeah, yeah I wanna talk about Odiard because Odiard most overrated Got... director in, in the world at the moment. No, but has to be one of the favourites to win, given the he hasn't won the Palme d'Or and has won other stuff at the festival. Well, maybe. Um, if you look at the others who are there, there's some big names up against him, so I don't necessarily think... I mean, No, but I've just been on paper. If you th- what about if you... Uh, Kareda? What Did he win anything else apart from um, uh, Nobody Knows? Um, I'll look up at that for you while you carry on. Okay, I think maybe like Fire Like Sun got something. Mm. Maybe a screenplay. Um, okay, so we're going down again. Stefan Brise. Yes, like him. He did a film called Not uh, Here to Be Loved uh, with Anne Constantine uh, from about 2005, which is really, really nice little uh, romantic drama. And he did uh, Mademoiselle Chambon, did he? Was that him? Yes, that was probably him as well. Yeah, that's uh, Vincent Landon and... Um, Oh, what's the woman's name? Crap. Bad film song. Sandrine Kibbelan. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this also stars Vince Vincent Landon. Mm. Uh, it's called A Simple Man. Which is... Okay, well, Brise directing um, Landon is just a huge yes for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Doesn't work that often either. Um, no. So that's cool. Um, so that's two Frenchmen. To start mm-hmm. off, and we have a um, Valerie Doncelli, who I think is also French. Uh, this is, film is called Marguerite and Julienne, and mm-hmm. it stars Anne de Moustier and Jeremy Elkian. De Moustier is interesting. I think she could possibly turn into a good actress. Uh, she was really good in that Ozone that's coming out with Jury. She was really good. Mm. Um, oh, the girlfriend one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elkian. Well, famous for the games. Right, okay. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Oh, Prescarion. Uh, oh, he's in that? Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we have The Tale of Tales from Matteo Garoni, who, yeah. who we, we both, oh, don't, well, yeah, we both uh, don't like Gamora. But reality we? was quite good. Actually, yeah. that was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a FYI, um, uh, Re Carida, um, when he was there for like Father Like Son, that won the jury prize. Okay. Yeah. Right, and so he's won the jury prize. He's won uh, best actor for Nobody Knows. Yay! Um, <laughs> I know how disgraceful is you that. use you use um, plentiful career afterwards. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so The Tale of Tales, this stars Vincent Cassell, Salma Hayek, and John C. Riley. So Weird. this may be English. Hmm. There's a bit of a theme going on here with English uh, foreign directors making English language films this year. Hmm. Next is Carol, a film from Todd Haynes, which is a lesbian drama slash thriller involving Kate Blanchett's obsession with Rooney Mara. That just sounds so many levels of wrong. <laughs> but it's Todd Haynes. Mm. Mm. I love Todd Haynes. 
Like it can't do wrong by me. Yeah, safe, safe's good. Um, Far from Heaven's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I'm not there as interesting as far as it goes. Velvet Goldmine, have you seen? Never saw it. Oh, I've seen like half an hour drunk. Didn't count. No. Um, did you see Mildred Pierce? I did, and I gave up after a couple of episodes. Okay. But I think it was well acted. Right. So, so, and, yeah, what's shock the art direction's good. <laughs> <laughs> Next we have The Assassin, which is from Hu Xiao Shen. Mm. And it's an action film, which is new from him, isn't it, as far as I Yeah, know? yeah. Um, Hu Xiao Shen, some of his, well, three times is wonderful. It's a beautiful film. It's interesting. It says so much about modern relationships, and it uses three different time periods in order to do that, um, based over a hundred years, using the same two actors in each uh, one. And so the rest of his stuff, it just absolutely pales in comparison. He's usually dirge, dirgy, boring, uh, just slogs of films. Mm. So I've only seen. I feel like I've seen one. Or maybe I haven't seen any. I keep I get him Flight of the Red up. Balloon. Flight of no, the Red Balloon. No. Um, I get him mixed up with um, Ming Liang Sai. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one. Um, what's the one with um, Shuki? Millennium something or other. Mambo. Millennium Mambo Shuki. Oh, it's such a chore. No. Next, it's uh, Zhang Kajia, but. Oh, speaking of chores. But. <laughs> The title is good. The title is called Mountains May Depart and it's a three, it sounds like three times, it's a three part story beginning with a guy being jilted by a woman who uh, decides to marry this rich mine owner instead and then it flips forward like ten years and he's meeting the now divorced woman again and then it f- like flips forward again. So it's romantic. It's not like... Ugh. It well, doesn't at least seem like it has that gritty, pulpy thing. Political stuff either. Yeah. So who knows? Mm. But as you as you found out, titles don't necessarily mean yes. writers. No. No. But he is quite prolific. I mean, the thing is, he's one of these ones, I suppose, he's a bit like um, uh, Kim Kaduk in that he works a lot. Uh, but... So you're bound yeah. to get good ones, or decent yeah. Well, ones in there. but I, I saw I saw two back to back, pickpocket and platform. And I I really couldn't get on with either, and so that sort of really put me off him. Hmm. Uh, next is the creator, our little sister, which surprise surprise is another domestic drama uh, about three sisters in their uh, living with their grandmother. Hmm. I'm just clicking on this exactly as we speak. Do I recognise anyone in it? Uh, Ryo Case, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, what what's he been? What's he been in? He was in the one where, about the guy gets accused of uh, groping someone. I didn't. I just didn't do it. Is that what it's called? I've no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. It was it was um, uh, Ken Rudolph. Absolutely loved this film. I think. I seen to it. Yeah, it's it's from two thousand six. It's about a guy who gets accused of um, uh, groping someone, uh, a schoolgirl on the train. Uh, and then like, they use because because like, he's got some porn with a schoolgirl in it at home. It's just it's an indictment of the um, uh, Japanese legal system, basically. But case is really really good in it. Cool. Next is Macbeth. Um, this is the however many seven hundredth incarnation of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. 
uh, starring Marion Cotillard and Michael Fassbender. That sounds not good casting. Just, just personally. I haven't seen any films of Macbeth. I mean, I've um, another rough story, but I haven't seen any. I haven't seen The Wells. Um, this is from the director of Snowtown, which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. It's an Australian one, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, with Macbeth, uh, they did a TV version of it. Uh, well, they filmed the... Uh, I think it was the uh, RS... I'm pretty sure it was the RSC. And they filmed uh, Dench uh, doing it. Lady Macbeth? Yeah. Ooh. And that is... Uh, it's, it's literally just... It's from 1979. It's called A Performance of Macbeth. And it's you, uh, Ian McKellen as Macbeth and Judy Dench as Lady Macbeth. And it's just really... Oh. It was... Apparently, people say it's like the best screen... Sorry, the best stage female performance ever that people... In living memory. That's how good she was. And it just goes along and it's nothing's really happening, nothing's really happening, nothing's really happening. Then you get to the um, sleepwalking scene and Dench absolutely crushes it. Out of the park. I mean, literally any drama student, any female drama student uh, should just be made to watch this on week one and say, okay, there you go, that's the peak of your craft. Yeah. Have that in mind. (laughs) But, so, I mean, my problem with, in theory, casting Cotillard is that she can go really frenzied. When and, she's not supposed to be likable. Well, well, when she hasn't got a director who can uh, re- reel her in. And so, and I just fear for her in this role. And uh, Fassbender, I don't think... It sounds like he might be in Jane Eyre mode. Yeah, it sounds like it's... it's I, uh, mm. Okay, next is um, The Lobster from Yorgos Lanthimos. Next. Uh, this is... No, no, no. This Next. is another. Um, this is another example of a uh, foreign director doing an English language film, right? Because uh, in this is Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz. God. And it's um, it's but I think it's like an indictment of society's um, need for people to match up with each other and procreate because it's basically. Single, it's set in the future. Single people have to find a mate in forty-five days, or they're transformed into animals and released into the woods. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but well, fantasy can work. Mm. Um, we have Mon Roi. Is that King? My King. King yes. From My When. Yeah. Who did Police? She did do Police. She's also she also does uh, Age of Hotness extremely well. <laughs> so that's two uh, female directors in competition. Well, age appropriate, she's like four years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she may as well be 14 in my woman terms. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is um, recounts uh, over several years the love story of a couple, and it's got Vincent Cassell in it again, and Louis Garrel, and other people. Mm. Next, we have Nanny Moretti. As films called Mia Madre, and it stars Margarita Bai as a director shooting a film while her mother is dying in hospital. Okay, you, you lost me at Moretti, and then obviously you've got me now. And oh, it's what supposed sh- to be like a dramedy. As no, well. yeah, well, it is stuff usually is, but uh, yeah, I'll watch it just for her. Yeah, 
Uh, next is Son of Saul, which is a Hungarian film from Laszlo Nemez, which is about a guy who uh, works in a crematorium in Auschwitz, and he finds his son there, dead, um, and attempts to get him a proper burial. Also a dramedy, then. <laughs> that sounds like um, catnip for next year's foreign language Oscar. Yeah. Uh, next is Paolo Sorrentino's Youth, which is another English language film uh, from a foreign director. This is Michael Caine and Harvey Keitel as two old friends on vacation in the Alps, and it also stars Rachel Weisz and Jane Fonda. Sounds interesting in general, but uh, the trouble with Sorrentino is he's such a music video director. Uh, like, it's like stop the film every, every reel so that we can have a two-minute montage. So, he's, he's also such an old man, and just the idea of like two old men like talking about the youth, mm. just you know, yeah. old man yeah. crisis just doesn't seem great. Mm. No. Especially if Rachel Vice ends up as one of the love interests. God, surely not. Like uh, Sean Penn's in the lead. <laughs> Next is uh, Joachim Trier film Louder the Bombs, which uh, um, has Isabel Huppert in it. As a war photographer who has died, um, and her husband and two sons find out a secret from her past. Hmm. How are you on York and Trier? Because I haven't seen any of his films. The reprise, it's, uh, it's alright, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, next is The Sea of Trees, which is Gus Van Sant, and it's about a suicidal man who befriends a Japanese man while lost in a forest, and the two try to find a way out. And it's got Matthew McConaughey and Ken Watanabe in it. You had me until Forest, and that obviously sounds like one of his art films rather than uh, one of his good films. So, <laughs> well, you take any decent film, wouldn't you? Because since Milk, it's been Blake. Yeah, well, before Milk, it was Blake. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, what? Before before Milk, what would you say? Idaho. Yeah. Uh, to die for. Idaho to die for Milk. Yeah, there's yeah. not a lot in between. No. Um, and lastly, uh, our favourite Denis Villeneuve mm-hmm. film called Sicario, which stars Emily Blunt as a young female FBI agent who takes on a secret mission with the CIA to take down a Mexican cartel boss. Any guesses as to who's playing the Mexican cartel boss? Javier Bardem. The other one. Alright. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. No, older. The other one. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> no. You really should have run this by me before. <laughs> Traffic. Oh, Benicio Del Toro. Yes. So, um, what, are you done with Villeneuve now? No, not after one. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It's just depressing. But that this one doesn't sound depressing. This sounds more like a genre film, so I'm okay with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm quite excited to see what Blunt can do with that, actually. Something different for her. And Del Toro is brilliant, so... Yeah. Anything strike you from Uncertain Regard? Because um, I couldn't pick anything Just out. really quickly. I, I can't see the actors, obviously. Uh, no. Although I actually did go to school with someone called Govinda Singh. Lovely. Let's hope it's <laughs> her or him. Him. <laughs> him. Uh, also, of course, Can wouldn't be complete without another Woody Allen film. Yeah. Called Irrational Man uh, with Wack- Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, which huh. seems appropriate. Yeah. 
All right, let's get on to preconceptions. Yeah. Right, this week we're doing Phoenix, uh, While We're Young, John Wick, Good Kill, and The Duff. The D-U-F-F. <laughs> um, preconceptions for Phoenix. Um, uh, it, well, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's Barbara Hoss. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, a Barbara reunion for everybody involved is just a massive <laughs> yes. It's just a massive yes for me. I loved Zerfelt in Barbara. I just thought he was um, it was a really surprisingly beautiful uh, performance. Um, he's sort of like a. As attractive a man as my type of bloke could be, so he's like he's like what I aspire to as a man, <laughs> pretty much. Oh my god! <laughs> um, no, Phoenix one one, uh, but uh, uh, Yeller. Uh, so talk about pets old now. Yeah, uh, yeah, him, 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 and uh, not Hossman going longer. Uh, Yeller wasn't a great film, but it was interesting. I've seen a little bit of Jericho, but not much. I know what well, it's only because I was trying to do it without the subtitles. But um, he's an, isn't it? I, I think he hasn't. Barbara was almost great. I think he's an almost great filmmaker. So we'll see. Okay. Mm. Um. Yeah, I think Yella and uh, Barbara both four star films, mm-hmm. and um, Hoss was great in both of them. So I was expecting her to be good in this. I have yeah. actually reviewed this as part of the London Film Festival, but. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend that I yeah, yeah. haven't seen it before, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so g- good things expected from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, while we're young, Bone back. Um, I like him. I liked Francis Hart a lot. Um, Squid and the Whale. I liked too. Um, so uh, that was good. Uh, the cast. Uh, Stiller. Not the biggest fan of Stiller. Um, Mm-hmm. Although he can be alright, and um, he was good when he worked with Bombat before in Greenberg. Naomi Watts is um, can be really good. Mm, yeah. Um, I wouldn't have been against seeing this, but I uh, did get around to it. Okay. Uh, John Wick. Preconceptions. Um, I think I knew it was a comic book film. No, I didn't. I think, I'm assuming it is. I might be wrong on that. Oh, that was I think pre- you're probably right, yeah. It was a preconception anyway. Um, I'd seen the trailer once, and um, it's sort of, uh, Keanu in action doesn't necessarily appeal to me that much. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think he's a terrible actor, but I think he can be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was, I was hoping this wasn't going to be the sort of like usual 2D... Um, uh, comic booky type thing but you never know I didn't really have any preconceptions about Keanu in this mode I don't think he's very different I think he's fine in the Matrix for example you know and um, something I, th- I thought this looked like it wasn't going to rely heavily on him but I did know that this was a uh, about a dog dying and that had me trepidatious <laughs> um, because I love dogs Okay, I don't think it actually is a comic book film, by the look of it. Well, it's not set in the real life, so hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, we'll hmm. we'll find out. Anyway, uh, good kill. Why didn't you see this? 
Um, is this the who's in it? Tell Ethan. me now, Ethan. Yeah, um, time. It's, it, I don't think it's at SeaWorld either. Okay, this is Andrew Nichol, and um, you know what? I thought the host was all right, and it got terrible reviews. But mm. yeah, Gattaca, mm. I I quite like. Um, but in time was ugh, dismal and. He just seems to be losing the luster. Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke is good in almost everything, and that's I didn't really know the plot of this, so no, that's all I knew. Mm. The Duff preconceptions. Um, uh, that's in the, yeah, it's in the trailer for this. Uh, looks uh, very much in the uh, Mean Girls uh, type mold. Uh, teen movie uh, preconception was that uh, I remember. Uh, I remember uh, what, what's the girl's name? Just quickly, May Whitman. Yeah, I remember May Whitman playing a teenager like seven years ago on In Treatment, like a late teenager because she was Ethan. She was um, uh, Gabriel Byrne's daughter on In Treatment. So was I'm thinking, she? So I'm thinking seriously. Seriously, oh my god! Have we got another one of these films where everyone in their mid twenties is pretending to be seventeen? So that was a preconception. Mm. Uh, but that said, uh, I did think the setup could be uh, could be quite decent. But I was hoping it wasn't going to be she's all that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I was yeah. What's that horrible one with um, Amanda Bynes? Oh, I don't know. And Channing Tatum. Oh, oh god! As if I'd watch that. <laughs> I think like um, Channing Tatum at one point. Channing Tatum's somebody's putting tampons up their nose. It's weird. Anyway, the Duff. the The uh, trailer was. I thought the trailer looked fun, um, but I didn't know anybody who was in the film. Oh, mm. apart from Bella Thorne, but I only know her from music and not film. Oh, she sings. She does. Um and. Yeah, I it was easy t- to get a hold of, and it was um, it was a difficult decision to watch this based on the fact that there weren't many um, light films out the past nope. couple of weeks. Right. So Phoenix begins with Nina Hoss it, in the back of a van. Van. This isn't set in the 1970s New York. This isn't a heist movie. In the back of a car, <laughs> approaching, <laughs> approaching, appro- trying to get to a hospital. Which it's been driven by a friend. A load of soldiers on the side of the road. We're tr- originally trying to stop her, but upon taking one look at her fa- uh, face and the bandages, they apologise and let her through. She has a facial reconstruction surgery, which she uh, insists on trying to make her look as much as she, like she used to as possible, even though the doctors say that isn't really going to work. And it turns out that she is a survivor from the camps in the Second World War, and uh, she's tr- she is uh, in Berlin, preparing to leave whilst trying to find uh, her husband, who believes her to be dead. Yeah. Um... What do you think about the setup? Because it's quite contrived. It is contrived. Um, but they d- they could have gone in campier directions with it. Like, it's not the skin I live in, you know. No, it's... exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Is it believable? I think given where they go with it, kind of, because uh, she ends up being someone who sort who looks a bit like her, but not really, and that's the whole point of the film. So in that respect, yes, but there are. I think there's more question marks in, term, in believability in terms of how the characters would act in certain situations, rather than necessarily the setup itself. You mean with her and Zerfold? Yes. In the in his house or whatever. Well, in general. <laughs> right. Okay. At various points, I mean, how, how, when, when reveals would come and how they'd come and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a very slow film. It's ninety-five minutes or something, mm-hmm. which is why it's all right that it's that slow. Mm. But it is charting like quite a small period of time. Like it's you get to the last scene, and the last scene is awesome. Yeah. And it makes the film, really. But you kind of wonder, you know, you kind of want it to go on. You kind of want, like, an epilogue or something. You do. You you want the reaction. You want to, you know, because that might give you more depth as to what he's feeling. Because you don't really get a lot of what he's feeling. No, this is is the problem in general. Is that Zerfeld acts that final scene, much like Philip Seymour Hoffman does the last scene in The Most Wanted Man. He... Gets that moment perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Stone cold, perfectly acted. And of course, the problem is, because he acts it that perfectly, you, you of course, want to know. I can see why, as a filmmaker, they think, well, there's nothing else to say after that. I can, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, intellectually, I get that, but emotionally, you dangle it and you need more after that. Yeah. And it's just... It's it's difficult because, you know, would you cut some of it out? Would you cut some of the middle portion out and maybe kind of stretch it on and and use that as sort of like an in, almost like a a stopgap in the middle, and like do like part two. I don't know. I think I think there are a bit there are parts of every little bit that you, uh, you could trim if you really wanted to, but then. You're kind of making a different film then. I think the meat and bones of it is uh, her and Zephyr, obviously. So I suppose if you're going to trim anything, you could trim the um, sort of lesbian undertone stuff in the, the first half hour. <laughs> <Do them. laughs> yeah, but it's good. I, I quite like that the other woman is somebody that you don't see a lot in Holocaust films. You don't see a lot of anger. No. You know, because yeah. Hoss is the downtrodden, um, downtrodden Jewish. You know, because she's been in the concentration camp. But you get this other Jewish woman who is um, furious. Furious, yeah. I mean, she's talking about Palestine. She's talking about going to Palestine and building. You know, it's she feels um, defensive on behalf of the whole race. You know, which Completely you don't really down. get from films of that period because you feel like at that time they didn't really gauge what was happening in the grand scheme of things, you know, this is all in the history, the fact that the race has been persecuted, but it's just interesting that you get that different perspective, you know, um, mm. because Hoss is a completely beaten woman in this from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. What do you think of Hoss in general, then? Best performance of last year. Well, awesome. Yeah. She's... It's think, so many levels going on, though, isn't there? 
Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, Julianne was excellent. She really was. There's a false note or two in there, but Julianne was excellent. With this, there are no false notes. And uh, she's working on... She's got to be who she is with him believing that uh, she's not his wife. She's got to be uh, her who you know who she is. And then you've got the, um, uh, the two battling against each other and you coexisting in the same moment. And she's got to make his reactions. Because the thing, the way Hoss acts has got to make his reactions make sense. And also make sense to you as the audience. Yeah. It's it's exceptional work. Yeah. I mean, because she doesn't feel the need to be too convincing because her character isn't supposed to be together, you know? Mm. And she conveys that. And she's a, supposed to be a former glamour puss. And she kind of manages to balance this inability to actually physically summon that confidence mm. with a kind of fearful caution that, you know, that confidence is part of the reason, you know, the Jewish pros- prosperity is part of the reason why they were persecuted in the first place. Mm. So it's really, you know, it's really interesting how she's trying to be glamorous, but then inside she kind of doesn't want to be because she doesn't want to bring that all back. No. And also you've got that she... Um... Uh, has that complete lack of confidence, but then also has that is equally filled with hope uh, that he'll recognise her. <laughs> yeah. But but she doesn't want to have the disappointment. This is subtext. She does. She's never said it this way. She doesn't want to have the disappointment that he uh, recogn- of of him re- uh, finding out it's her and not wanting her the same way, or or being or being so phys- uh, visibly disappointed. And it's not just because of what he's doing, because uh, the the plot is that he's trying to get uh, her uh, her to pretend her to be money. his wife so yeah. that he can get her money, and so he, she wants him to re- want her, but he wants to, he wants her to recognise her naturally, rather than uh, uh, have any potential um, negative. Because yeah. she doesn't think she lo- obviously she doesn't think she looks as good as she does because she doesn't look like she does she did not necessarily she was better or whatever she it's just that she looks different it's like um as an audience you it's frustrating as an audience but i think you have to be patient and you have to say well you know this is the story um, this is the characters these are the characters you know fair enough we want we wanted to tell him um, yeah yeah you do I mean, you, a lot of times you say, oh for god's sake just tell him <laughs> yeah but then that wouldn't i mean that wouldn't that would take away from that scene, that piano scene, which is yep. so. That is the reason that, that that scene at the end is the reason to do the film. The reason the film was made, it's the reason uh, certainly Zerfeld was interested in doing this. Well, I think Zerfeld would just do it to repay um, Petzold uh, for Barbara because before that he was only really known for doing heavies, like gangster type roles. Right. Whereas obviously that's a beautiful performance. Uh, showed it and just let he let him off the leash. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. Um, it's an, what do you think of the look of the film? Because it's quite interesting with the whole Phoenix Club, the seediness. It's not. It doesn't make East uh, West. Uh, the, sorry, Berlin look like a complete piece of crap without. But it doesn't sugarcoat the fact that it's bombed either. I think it gets across the fact that the culture they were kind of bombarded with this American culture. Um, yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, small kind of havens within 
a city of despair kind of thing, mm. and that's that definitely that definitely um, was expressed with the art direction, mm. and I like the music as well. I think the music's really um, kind of I don't know. It's it's nice. It's not too florally, you know, but it's nice and kind of it's not too dramatic either. Surprisingly well, considering that Barbara had none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, any more? It's sort of like you, you, you wish that there was. Maybe you wish that this was three hours. Yeah. Maybe there mini- was a whole other hour after that piano scene. This could be a mini series. If you yeah. started off in the camps, this could, you have the first episode in the camps. Second episode, her getting out of the camps. And eventually landing there. Third episode, on, as she finds out he's still around, you could do you could do this over you could do this over eight forty five minute episodes, I think. Yeah. And drip feed it like a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with Alec Guinness, that sort of length uh, miniseries. But uh, it's one of those ones you don't really want to talk about too much because you just want people to see it and just go and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. You can't really say too much about it without spoiling it as well. So. Mm. But um, yeah, I I think it's I think it's slightly waned in my mind just because I I wonder is there more interesting directions they could go with it. Mm. But I do like um, how um, the longer it goes and the more she finds out about what he was getting up to uh, prior to uh, her uh, going away. Uh, I, I really like how uh, her character naturally defends slash makes excuses for him because it's because it, the hope is just so much. It's just every uh, poor of a being is the hope of them getting back together. Yeah. Great. Eight. I give it a B plus. I'm going to stick by it. I'm hanging on to the the plus there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Four star, really good. A high four star film, really good. Okay. So while we're young... um, yeah, fairly, let's finish the fairly swiftly. Um, this is uh, stars uh, Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts. He is a documentary filmmaker. She is a producer of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Her father is a even more famous documentary filmmaker, who's um, played by Charles Grodin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so they're in their early forties. Stiller and Watts. Uh, one day, Stiller is giving a lecture. Uh, and a couple who are played by Adam Driver and Amanda Seyfried are in the audience. They come up to him after he's finished, you know, kind of lavish him with praise, invite him for lunch. He agrees, but he's already meeting uh, Watts for lunch, so it's kind of the four of them together. Um, Driver and Seyfried, obviously younger, mid-twenties. Um, they're kind of this retro hipster couple who like um, playing board games and... Mm-hmm growing their own vegetables, things like that, you know. Um, but the two couples hit it off well, and shenanigans ensue. Yeah. So is this him, is this his midlife crisis? Who's? Still uh, is. No, um, Brownbacks. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But it's, um, I mean, for a while it's great, because it's got some really astute, you know, non-snarky, meditations on uh, how it feels to kind of be in a rut and you know the need to rediscover passions you know Mm. because you get too comfortable with things and you get to set in your ways and it's um, like Arsenal and Arsene Wenger 
<laughs> if the ways are lucrative. Um, but it's like the most fearful thing for me about getting old is not about dying or aging. It's about becoming narrow-minded and not trying new things and just being one of these people who you see, like, who just complains all the time. That was me about ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that wasn't on your dating profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imperfection, I complain about everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, like, echoes that fear because it's sort of like, it forces Watson still to address decisions about where they want to go from this point, what they're doing with their lives, while they still got a chance, you know? Do they want to travel? Do they want to have a kid? With all these questions and the fact that they're meeting some people with kind of sparkier minds and, you know, more energy. Um, Energy's remind, the key. Yeah, remind them of their own youth kind of thing. Um, calls that into question. Um, what's his great? Really oh, good. I obviously. think you'd love her in this. Yeah. She's so... Ble- it's sort of like... I mean, the, the, the characters are pretty fleshed out on the page. Um you know, which he's done a good job of doing that. But there's like, um, there's a scene, first of all, she goes, there's like a juxtaposition of social events. So she goes to her fre- old friend's um, baby shower. Not baby shower, but sort of like the mother's gathering. There's like people dressed as bears and things and dancing and singing. And the Sounds mother's like some really dodgy along. porn. <laughs> so she's like appalled by that. And then she goes dancing with Safe Raid. And then she's like, oh, what kind of dancing is this? When they're about to start, she's like, hip-hop. <laughs> so she's like, what's this, like, do this hip-hop um, routine? And she's trying to keep up <laughs> and failing miserably. Oops. Um, <laughs> but um, it, the last act really lets it down. Mm. So it's got, like, this Woody Allen kind of style of, yeah. Like the worst of Woody Allen's style of convenience or contrivance, you know? So they turn up to their old friends just on the off chance and they're having a party and they haven't invited them because they've, they've got this new couple and they've changed their ways or whatever. Mm. So it's sort of like, well, oh, really? Yeah. Could you not think of a better way to... Underscore the point. Yeah. And then Bombach has to basically dismantle the hipster couple in terms of credibility and morality. In order to justify the other couple in for, for feeling that they don't need them. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It turns the tables on the characters in too mean a way. It's really mean-spirited in the last third, which is upsetting. I mean, I think you always know that they're never going to suddenly turn into crazy kids again. Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of want something a bit more nuanced and you you know you don't want it feels too written yeah ultimately which is a shame and it's also it's very negative even when supposedly positive things are happening for the couple it's got this very negative tone about it well this is the problem i find with a lot of those type of films like um your alexander Payne's is probably yeah. the least offensive of the lot but uh, where's anderson in particular um all these sort of like hipsterish um directors it, it, there's a the level of cynicism is quite overpowering 
and the level of, like you said the negativity really just snarkiness just really just seep through and uh, I didn't necessarily always find that with Baumbach which is probably why overall I get on with his films the best but um, mm. or dislike them the least <laughs> well no you know um, I, I like Payne's films the best overall but some of them are bad um, but Mm. I, I mean, that, that's the problem with it. It's the negativity. Is the problem? Is the problem? Thing is, it worked with the, the Squid and the Whale, though, and that's like a really insufferable. Jeff Daniels in the Squid and the Whale is an insufferable mm. um, grump, you know. But you can't. I mean, Bombat wrote that ten years ago. Yeah, and it seems like this with this, he's kind of. It's I don't know. It's it's a different way. It's not as generous. It's not as. Um, insightful mm. although it is insightful for a long time i would say this would be a four-star film up until about halfway but it just curtails and curtails mm. um and really you know kind of disappointed me but it's still mm. okay b minus mm. okay uh sorry john wick stars keanu reeves as john wick who is a bloke called john wick and he has nice <laughs> he has a nice car which people want to steal and uh, when a guy comes to steal it, uh, he uh, steals it and kills Keanu's dog in the process. Uh, which puppy. Is also, well, puppy. Well, how cute is that dog? It's so cute. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, so he he kills the dog, which Keanu's dead wife had given to him. So, obviously, he wants his dog back in the most Angelina of ways. And the most Guy in the role. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, except he can't get the dog back because the dog's dead, dude. The dog's dead. So uh, it turns out the lad who uh, did the killing and the stealing and the John Wicking uh, was Michael Nyquist's uh, son. Michael Nyquist is the head of the Russian mob, and uh, John Wick used to work, rather coincidentally, for the Russian mob as their uh, general nutcase. Their Michael Shannon in the Iceman, if you will, <laughs> in Premium and, Rush. Yeah, I'm gone. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> in terms of acting quality, yes. Um, the <laughs> so, uh, Keanu goes on a revenge spree to end all revenge sprees because the dog is dead. The dog is dead, yeah. Um, and thankfully, there's no death scene for the dog because hmm. that would have driven me off the edge. Um, yeah. What, right, I think the problem... I don't think this is a bad film, but the problem with it, did you identify with John Wick or do you think John Wick's character has any bearing on this at all? Well, the natural comparison piece uh, for, for me really is Run All Night. Yeah, okay. Because you've got a gangster's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, Sim- blah, simple blah, blah. plot, simplish plot. Simplish plot. And what we uh, kind of said about that was that with Neeson in that Neeson has an interesting character in that film yeah and also the other thing with that is that it's not as if he's invincible you never get the feeling in that film that Neeson is invincible you just get the feeling that this is just what he does extremely well whereas in this it's the opposite uh, Keanu does not have an interesting character because there is no character there whatsoever he's just yeah. a guy's do- he's just a guy's dog died yeah and he used to love his wife and you do feel as if he's invincible in every single scene. There's not one single moment where you don't think he's just going to go in there and kick everyone's ass because that's the whole point of the character. The only uh, characterization is that he's the bloke who can go in and kick everybody's ass. Yeah. So, from that respect, I mean, so it's more style 
base for me. It's, rather it's than reffing. Else. It's very reffing. It's sort of drive. Um, Remind me a bit of Daredevil, the Affleck one, just mm. in terms of look. Well, you get this trance club sequence, which I really liked, um, mm. where it's sort of like, there's a lot of it where it's this trance music and trance remixes accompany the action. Mm. And you get this electronic uh, kind of mirroring the um, the action and the kinetic action going on. Mm. Which I liked, and that's what reminded me of Drive a bit, mm. um, because like there is no attempt to um, enlighten on the character; it's no. all style over substance. Yeah, it although, is. Although the plot is simple, and I don't think it's really a- asking the audience to. I mean, it's not like it's got this hugely convoluted plot, and then it's saying, "Oh, well, we're not going to tell you any more about this." You no. know the ins and outs. Yeah. But then again, it does sort of like it does shift along from one thing to the other. Like once they got like, oh, we fight, well, we've done that bit, so now we just go, we've got twenty minutes to go, so we may as well just go somewhere else. It do, it doesn't convincingly shift from one to the other. I don't necessarily think. Um, I think the ins and outs of the uh, world that they're in uh, is doesn't. Isn't isn't staggeringly convincing that you've got this hotel where all the um, uh, criminals hang out and they've all got amnesty whenever they go in the hotel or the hotel's going to state repercussions. Yeah, all all seems a bit wishy washy and uh, a bit of a stretch to me. Um, but um, it's interesting that it takes place in a fictional realm. Mm. This is what I want to say. But it's, it's clearly New York because I mean you got the, you got the, the future sh- though. Yeah, you got the shot of the uh, the famous uh, V-shaped uh, building, which is yeah, it, been so many films, Age of Innocence. And then there's one point where they're walking down the street, and I'm sure that's the same street that Sarah and Dennings are walking down in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist when when <laughs> Willem Dafoe gets uh, collared by the three guys. Um, well, let's let's talk about Willem Dafoe. I want to. This is a positive. Since Spider Man, yeah, or recently, which, which, which he was terrible in, which he was terrible in, and he did for the money. He's made some really interesting career choices. He the did, Hunter. He did The Hunter. He did The Most Wanted Man. Yep. He did The Fault in Our Stars. He didn't have to do that, and he played an interesting character, and it was good. He did an Abel Ferrara film. You know, he, he did. He, he did that terrible film um, that was at Venice with Jess Weiler um, um, that people were actually laughing at, Mina really saw, called A Woman. Right. But, you know, it, oh, he's branching out. So at least he's, you know... He's trying something new, and he's good in this. He's he's perfectly fine in this one. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he is. I mean, this is sort. Of, this is very much on a most wanted man level uh, for him, um, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see, because the thing is, I think, I think you sort of like forget about Willem Dafoe because he's, he's played. Is that he? Well, he was in Platoon. Was probably the first like. It was probably the thing that made him, obviously. Yeah. Um, which he's just great. In. He's super in. And then w- w- when you have like those sort of like late eighties films where it's like um, Last Temptation of Christ and Mississippi Burning, um, or Mississippi Burning, he wasn't the star. He's always the sort of guy who isn't really the star. He's he's not because he's kind of like a Tim Roth. He's not gonna try and upstage everybody. He's just more. I'm just going to do my thing, and uh, hopefully that will make everybody else look good in the process. Um, and 
when you when you look at his career, there aren't that many wonderful films in it. But there are no. some. There are a lot of interesting ones in there. I mean, like for example, um, Existence isn't the greatest Cronenberg film. But it's quite interesting. That's, I, I quite liked Existence. It's got a lot of issues. Se- but seven out of ten, I think I gave it. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. It's ahead of its time as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but, but then you've got for every Existence or for every the most what man there's a body of evidence. Oh, that's just terrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, at least you've got a filmography. I mean, I wouldn't say Meryl Streep has a very good filmography, quite honestly. No. Even, even though she's great in most of it, I would, you know. I mean, Falling in Love is not a great film. <laughs> There's no getting around it. It's, it's just, there is just no getting around it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um. So, what about Alfie Allen? So bad. Wasn't that bad? Come on, it was not that bad. No, I didn't even know who it was, and uh, I just remember thinking it's just, just such a nothing pathetic. But the, the thing is, the whole tone—no, well, that isn't the worst thing. The worst thing in this film is Michael Nyquist. Oh my god! I mean, he is one of the better it's Scandinavian camp, it's actors. So camp his performance is like and it's the use of the word, the use of the f word. <laughs> which which just there, there is no you in that word for uh, Michael Nyquist. It's just O's, and um, it's just it seems it's just so, so try hard. It really is. Whenever he gets on screen, it, it just it strips away everything that's interesting about an actor. Um, because the thing is, Michael Nyquist. I mean, I suppose the film that most people would have seen him in is this original Swedish uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I guess. Yeah. Probably. But if you look at something like uh, As It Is In Heaven, he has such a wonderfully infectious, warm uh, screen presence when, when, when he wants to, when he has a character that demands it. But with this, it's just... Oh, 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 oh. Okay, and Keanu, acting-wise, what do you think about Keanu? It's poor. You think? It's poor. Um, because he's not doing anything... And I don't even mean... Not, I mean, you can say he wasn't really doing anything in The Matrix, but he was. A, he was, and B, he's keep... He, he, he's, he, there's a semblance of a human being in there. With this, it's just... It's Keanu playing a blank shell until the scene where he's tied up, and then he just goes ridiculously over the top. And then he's... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really bad. Are you so 47 Ronan? I, d- I wish I was watching 47 Raining rather than this I'm giving it a C plus a low C plus but I think it's just about average given the stylishness of it I think up until about the 60-70 minute point I would have said this was a 3 so I would have agreed with you but I think the uh, third act really tails off and just it gets far less interesting and I think there are a fair few films that I've given three stars to that are much better than this. So it's generous four out of ten high two stars. Okay. All right, so Good Kill. Uh, Good Kill has the three words in the opening credit sequence you least want to see. Directed by Trip. <laughs> <laughs> and January Jones. Oh, no. <laughs> Ethan Hawke... I think um, that's more of an issue for you than me, actually. Oh, yeah. 
Actually, she's not that bad in this. Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke. Do you want to guess Ethan Hawke's occupation? I think I know this because uh, I think I've read, I think I've read a little bit about this. Does he? Is he like an ex-pilot who is now um, piloting drones? That is correct. Who's suffering from burnout? That's correct. Okay. So he's now he was a former uh, Air Force pilot who is a yeah drones, um, and they are. He's not flying them. They are mechanical. Controlled. Yeah. yeah. So they just go in and out of countries and fire willy-nilly at things, right? Mm. Uh, in the Middle East. So this is about terrorism in the Middle East. His job is to blow up terrorists from afar. He's having a lot of traumatic stress problems. Issues with his marriage to January Jones, which is on the rocks. Um... The CIA decide to input their gung-ho agenda onto the drone team to um, get rid of some terrorists that have visited the country recently. Yemen, I think it is. Mm. Um, And the team don't take too kindly to this, the drone team, and Hawk becomes increasingly unhinged as a result. How good's Ethan? Because this sounds like he could be really good. Well, it's it's got this American sniper and he's not as good as Bradley. Put okay. it that way. Yeah. So I think it's just very, very... I don't think he has as much to do, which is a problem. It's not got the depth of character. It's not got the moral depth. So I think he's often struggling. He's got this Renner in the Hurt Locker element mm. to the performance as well. I just don't think it really which... hits properly. Yeah. Um. And the whole thing's got this green zone. Um. It's all the films we were talking about when we reviewed uh, American Sniper, isn't yeah. it? Green Zone. It's bureauc- It's all about bureaucracy getting in the way of humanity. So there's this sense that lives are being taken all in the name of terror. Um, and it's the ego of this very small group of people that are controlling either side of the fight and they're not really considering it properly. It's just like mechanical. It's just like, we'll, it's sort of like we'll bomb this um, area of land and then there's people come to rescue the injured and then we'll bomb it again just to make sure that we might get somebody that's come back who's from yeah. the Taliban or whatever. So yeah. it's very, very, you know, protect America, kill civilians. Yeah. So this is the issue with the film. and this is. But the problem is it's really repetitive and it doesn't really branch out from that. And the attempts to instigate drama within that are pretty narrow. So you've got um, Zoe Kravitz... Yeah. Who's Lenny's daughter? Um, Quite a few things. It's just like musician, family central this week. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, she was in Divergent. Wasn't she in Precious as well? Was she? He I mean, was. In, I think she. She wasn't she in the, the support group. No. Maybe it was him. I'll have a look while you carry on. He was the nurse. I know that. Anyway, I can't believe he's got a twenty-six-year-old daughter. I can. <laughs> well, are you going to go my way? It was early nineties, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, so Zoe Kravitz, she plays a colleague of Ethan Hawke's, and she's so left-wing and like mm-hmm. anti-establishment and radical, which is great. You know, uh-huh. go, way to go, girl. But yeah. at the same time, not in the context of a film about army personnel. Yeah. Could you imagine what, what are you if, doing in there? Could you ima- exactly? Could you imagine if you got? Army person, you got this woman, you know, acting like um, bloody 
Shirley Williams <laughs> in the corner. You know, and she's like questioning. She's the subordinate questioning the boss about, you know, the the whole fabric of drone warfare and, you know, the policies behind it. And when you're doing it, I just don't feel like that would happen. Mm. And After I might be Earth, wrong about that. That's what she, After Earth, that's what she was in. Senshi Rage, Zoe Isabella Kravitz. <laughs> um, and then you've got like the other colleague who's ultra ruthless, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. So it just feels like Bill Ethan... Paxton and Aliens. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like Ethan's this rock in the centre, and then you've got the left and the right, and rah 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 rah, and the boss is just the boss who follows orders reluctantly but does so anyway. Mm. So it's just a really kind of trite setup, trite dynamic for the um the team in general. Um and what upset me most is there's this really manipulative bit where they can see from the drones there's this guy who always wanders into the home of this single mother who's got a kid and rapes her in the backyard. So every couple of days he does this, but they can't do anything because he's not a terrorist. Mm. But they just watch it. So it's like, it's got this really manipulative um, underscoring of the point all the time. Um, It's too blatant with what it's saying and it doesn't do enough to flesh out Ethan Hawke's character. Nichols Nichols got less nuanced the longer he's been going. Yeah. And I'm assuming, I, I mean, I don't know, this might be adapted. I'm assuming it's original. Well, I, I would guess it would, would be him. Yeah. But the horse obviously wasn't. Mm. But yeah, no, this is that bad. Was, that, was a, that was a paycheck film. Come on, Carl. <laughs> it was better than this. Mm. C-, good kill. Mm. Right. Film of the week? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can always tell what Cal thinks about a film... Uh, just based on where he positions it in our <laughs> weekly rundown. Why is that? Because I would assume John Wick was the biggest film of the week, and he's end. Instead of always ending with the duff, I thought, okay. I think it's like, got more talking points. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you liked it. Uh, I'm guessing. Right. So the duff is about a uh, young, oh, well, allegedly, girl in high school, allegedly. Um, uh, who uh, has two really, really good-looking uh, best friends. She gets informed by her high school quarterback, a hunk, uh, next-door neighbour who's known her forever, that she is, in fact, their duff, uh, designated ugly fat friend, who uh, people only talk to to get uh, information about the others, etc., etc. And she takes immediate umbrage with this, and then eventually begins to realise that uh, it is true, she is their duff, and then she uh, breaks it with her friends, and then does a deal with her next-door neighbour that he will stop her, teach her how to stop her duffly ways while she teaches him how to pass science. Because <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> Ever. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I did like the film, but it's got problems. Mm. Can we just say the most ridiculous IMDb? Do you do you know who directed this? 
Um, it begins with an I. Yeah, I saw it was oh, directed yeah. by Ari Sandow. I thought, Ari Sandow. I thought, yeah, that rings a bell. What is it? he's? What's he done? Um, uh, Adam Sandler films, something like that. Oscar-winning Ari Sandow. Yes, thank you very short much. Short film, yeah. Because he did uh, East Bank Story, which is hilarious. <laughs> And he did a very good speech back when I think it was the John Stewart, uh, one of the John Stewart years. I but don't this, remember that. I remember. I remember. Yeah, it, this was oh, what was the year after John Stewart? Ellen, Ellen's year. Sorry, but um, yeah, I remember watching this um, uh, back when I felt that I had to watch the shorts for the Oscars. <laughs> but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that this is he's like waited so long, like ten years. After winning an Oscar to actually get something, he's done some TV in between. Fair enough, but he's waited ten years to do a film, and this is it. Has he written it? No. Okay. It was I, on the blacklist. I think the easiest comparison is Easy A. I think the easiest comparison is She's All That. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, there is no Easy A vibe. I think it wants to be Mean Girls, it's but it's closer to Easy A. I want to say I like. I think it's very feminist. I yes. like that um, Bianca, who's Mayor Whitten, doesn't transform in the film at any point. So it's sort no. of like she just she, wears a nice dress at one point. Yeah, it? she yeah. Even when she looks more conventionally pretty, she's still goofy and she's still got humility. And it's not like Anne Hathaway in Devil Wears Prada where she goes to being glamorous and then goes back, mm. you know. She's always got that spikiness to her. And I think it's good that the film doesn't try and um, pigeonhole and doesn't try and make that arc too extreme. Mm. Um, what do you think about Mae Whitten? I think she's 12th part. I think she's fine. I think she acts the horror of it all quite well, but I I bought her far less when she's just hanging with her friends. Um, maybe it's just because her friends just look younger, <laughs> frankly. Um, for me, my, a preconception that I sort of had when I saw the cat when I saw where the cast was going was that um, oh. I was kind of disappointed that Alison Janney and Romany Malco didn't, who was the principal, didn't have more because yeah. those are the, those are the sort of roles in these sort of films that really steal, like the dad in Ten um, Things, uh, I, hate Ten things I Hate About You, yeah. so funny, yeah. or, or or the or Dan Hedaya in uh, Clueless, brilliant, hilarious. Mm. Um, so, I th- but I think Janney was completely wasted, and Malco had one funny scene, but that was about it. Um, but I think. For me, I mean, really, the the the, the one person who kept me laughing and re- or, or well, not kept me laughing, made me laugh because I think for a long period this isn't actually laugh laugh out loud funny at all. Um, Robbie and Mel playing Wesley, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good too. I, I mean, think he, it's so. I mean, it's such a clever way because I mean, I I do think he's kind of blessed with a great script because this he is. is it is, is good is, writing. It isn't. This is a partnership where you'd roll your eyes. Usually, this is like a pairing that you roll. You think no. Yeah. But in this context, it works. He kind of makes it believable, doesn't he? Yeah, I think and she does as well. I honestly think she's the best 
best uh, female performance I've seen this year. Oh right. I think it's great. Oh. I think the the montage is hilarious where she's playing with the dolls. I love that. <laughs> Well, the thing is that that was this is the thing the, what really sort of, it, this is so derivative, so 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 derivative. Yeah. When it got when it got to the scene when they're in the mall and they, she starts trying to undresses, I thought seriously, we're doing that montage now where she tries to undress yeah. and he gives different faces. I mean, come on, but uh, but I I do think you're right it, uh, it, with with Amel. It is the script because the script it is all there for him like. When he starts listing things, he'll go, well, A, this, 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 two, this, 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 this. <laughs> and it is it is just genuinely amusing. But you still do have to, uh, he pitches it well. And he never he, he never pitches it in a sort of like 2D, like Stifler and American Pie, yeah. uh, charmless jock way. Even though um, uh, Sean William Scott is funny in those films. Um, but he's also sort of... He's, be- he's believable. He-, he makes the arc of where they go with it believable. And this is... Because I don't think Mean Girls is brilliant. No, I mean... I think Mean Girls was really good up until about two-thirds of the way through. And as soon as everybody finds the burn book, I think it falls off the cliff. Yeah. And then they try and have the end and they haven't earned it. Because it isn't as well written as the ones that are based on uh, classic literature, like 10 Things I Hate About You and like Clueless uh, are. Uh, they earn their endings far better. I think purely because of Amel, they earn the ending here because it's believable based on how the actors have played it. Well, you get like a, like a scene where they're on the tree trunk, for instance, and the, the kiss situation. Mm. And I think it's not just him there. I think she does a lot there. Um... It doesn't feel like it's cheesy. Um, no. It feels like that could actually happen, and then they yes. brush, and then she brushes it off for him and makes but it easier for him. I, you know, I think my thing with that is that they 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 get around that well by state, stating right from the beginning that he's quote a man whore unquote. But in reality, in order to earn that ending, they can't have him be a man whore that he's just going around and just shagging everything that moves. In reality, it's just literally he's just got the hottest girl in school and her. Yeah. And I think I think that's how they earn the end, but I don't think it's necessarily um, 100% based on, his pers- on, on the character's personality as set out in the film. It's... There's certain things... When he took her shopping, I was like, what jock takes a woman shopping? I know. It, it's but very, then that was very much uh, Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell in Crazy yeah. Stupid Love. But then <laughs> she doesn't But then she doesn't buy any of it. It's almost like he's told her to wear stuff and she doesn't suit it. So I kind yeah. of think, okay. And the one thing she actually likes herself, she mm. suits. Yeah. So it's not... I, I thought, you know, I thought... It's point. It was purely for the other stuff that goes on with that in terms of advancing the plot. Yeah, the whole video. I mean, who is this? Is she a private eye, this buddy girl. Who I know. Videos. It's, it's, That's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> it really is. And it's interesting that apparently originally Bella Thorne's character didn't exist in the screenplay, and uh, she auditioned for Bianca, and then oh. they wrote the part in for her. And uh, the problem is that it is just so generic, and Bella Thorne has this. Completely 2D character that you've just seen a thousand times before. And that triteness sort of brings the film down. And it's a little bit. It, because it, it's, it doesn't have. I mean, what. I don't. I think it's probably on a similar part to Mean Girls in general. But 
Mean Girls for the first hour, it has some really, really funny one-liners. Yeah. And but and I think this is the key difference. Mean Girls has some brilliant characterization, even if it's just a uh, uh, fingernail characterization, like um, Seyfried's character, like uh, the girl who used to be in Party of Five. Um, you have all these little characters who are, who, are, who are funny and memorable in and of themselves, whereas in this, her two best friends are completely... Oh, it says like oh, one's the nice one and the other one's the hard one and then they're just there's nothing really to him. Well, no, I like them because they aren't fickle with her. They could have made they could have easily made those two girls just you know wash their hands at them, and yet in so many scenes you see that they actually miss her. Mm. You know, it's there's like oh, you get this dodgy scene where they unfriend each other on Facebook, etc., which is not play very well. That's a poor scene, yeah. And then there's never, you know, but there's never any point where you doubt that they want to be her friend again. Mm. And there's never any problem for anyone else in the film apart from Mayor Whitman's character. Yeah. It's all about her insecurities. And then there's this broader commentary on how, you know, society labels people, etc. There's not Mm. really any hang-ups for anyone else, really. Mm. But that's my point. It's like um, with the... With the other two, with the like, the two friends, there's no um, individuality to them. There's no you don't get anything about what makes them tick or what have you or what what they're going through at the time. And it's the same with like Bella, all Bella, Bella Thorne is just a two D person who does she want and does, does she not. Her friends got absolutely nothing on her. Uh, mm. Janie uh, is just there. She's not even there for really comic relief. I mean. Yeah. I was disappointed about how they ended the thing with is it Todd. Who's Toby, Toby, mm. yeah. How he ended up, how that's they had the to dismantle him as well. But it's it, that, that's the thing. It's it's very very predictable because it's so trite. It's uh, predictable, but it's got really clever kind of detours along the way. I I, I didn't dislike this by any such imagination. I think it's an absolutely fine fine watch. Um. But it, it, I don't. I think like Mean Girls, it has problems, but it has different problems to Mean Girls because it kind of does completely different things uh, well slash badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's on the same level as Mean Girls too, mm. for different reasons as well. Um, mm. It's not. I mean, Lohan's great in Mean Girls. Yeah, but um. Mean Girls has got a really separate tone for the last 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, it's completely disjointed. Brings it down. Yeah. This, I think, just, I think with a few tweaks, this could be really, really good. But um, the thing with this is where... It could be clueless with yeah, a few tweaks. Where they go with it, it is believable, and they do make it believable, and I think it's you've got to... Considering it is this trite that they make it believable is impressive. Yeah. And, and whether it's the writing or whether it's the pair of them or whether it's uh, but all of it, w- one of them or the lot, uh, they get it done. So you got to give them credit for that. I'm giving it a B minus. Um, a little bit less for me. Six out of ten. High three stars. Good, good. All right. So shag Mario kill. Right. So I would shag as in watch again right now. I think I'd watch Good Kill just because I want... Oh, would I? No, I'd watch While We're Young because of your words about Naomi. <laughs> okay. She does hip-hop dance. Yeah. Yeah. And I would marry Phoenix because um, I don't think that'd be a tremendously difficult watch and it's the best film by far. And I'd kill John Wick just because, well, someone's got to. 
<laughs> okay, I would marry the Duff, shag Phoenix because I haven't seen it in a few months, mm. and kill good kill. Nice. Alright, so, the position. Funny. Right. Well, there's got to um, be one, at least, truly. Fil- film by film. Oh, no. This is rough. Film by film. <laughs> uh, Phoenix. Um, uh, Say I, No, I think I think Poots got this covered. Oh, okay. I think Poots got this covered. While we're young, uh, there's potential... Um, I've only seen a bit of the trailer. There's, you can't. Oh, I was talking Say Do. No, uh, I said it. I was talking, um, thinking, um, safe read. Yeah, but can you do that without seeing it? No. Well, no. I think they both be yeses in the film, but I'm just really? saying, yeah. No, I think safe read is more, more, more possible than the rest. Uh, John Wick, um, uh, the assassin, uh, yeah. Palicki, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, good kill, I haven't seen. Um,. There's only oh January Jones, no. Good looking woman though. Mm, no, uh, Duff. Um, this is where it gets Bella. Pro- it gets problematic. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, so um, uh, the t- her two friends, Scarlett Samuels, Stone Cold, yes. Uh, uh, the girl who plays uh, Casey, yes. Bella Thorne is young. She is young, Cal. She's like a young Jessica Chastain. She is very much. She's like Prettier a prettier Jessica she's Chastain. Exa- that is exactly what she is. She's not that young. Uh, yes, she is, Cal. She's like 17. Is she? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's... No, we need to introduce a new segment for that. <laughs> How is she only 17? I thought she was like 24. Because she was born in October 1997. <laughs> oh, my God. But... Can, can I just... No, well, you can... This, no, no. No, no, no. What I was going to say is... <laughs> if you actually look this up, I love that you look this up. I'm looking at it right now. Um, you can tell, looking at her, that she's very young. And I'm going to... Uh, what was the... Who's the guy you did this about when you did the trains on the way? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was the guy from... Oh, my God. Who was it? It was the Maze Runner Week. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, three years. Give her three years. God. Even if she is legal here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise that. I thought she was at least 20. You're trying to get me in trouble, Well, you? you can't bitch about them for casting high school. Um, well, I can. High school children. I can. Because the guy who plays Toby's almost 30. And then the two leads are like closer to 30 than 20. It is bad, but then what they do is they cast the they cast the young women around them. Like so, the uh, the girl, the the two best friends, and Bella are all younger. So, so you know what? I think she's done quite well for a seventeen year old in that role. Yeah, at the, the prom, I think she was. I think she's pretty good at the prom. It's a thankless role. as Well, well yeah, you know, I mean, and she's not McAdams in in uh, Mean Girls, but she doesn't have the material to work with. Anyway, a music so, yeah, so, sorry, so, yeah, you've got two in there, you've got, um, uh, the assassin, fourth, fourth, fourth place, okay, off the podium, ousted, yeah, Yeah. okay, no medal, no medals this week, (laughs) Phoenix, we have, uh, Zerfeld is a no, 
while we're young, um, Adam Driver is a no, Ben Stiller is a no. Can I just point out that there was an Olga Kurilenko film this week? It should be fifth. <laughs> should be fifth. Well, we don't know who else was in that. Mm. Um, John Wick Keanu um, looks pretty good, but uh, no. Mm. Good kill. That, that beard needs to be about half the length. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the crossfeet. Good kill. Uh, no, there's nobody in there. Ethan's no. Nobody Ethan else. looks old. Look, Ethan looked old in the picture I saw in the Times. And the dove. <laughs> Robbie, is he? He's too pretty boy for you, surely. There's a bell boost, but he's too pretty boy. Yeah. Um, and all, and also Garrett's a high bar. It's a high bar to uh, surmount. <laughs> it's saying one point oh on the uh, gauge. Mm. Okay, so we have a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. Um, you can submit your questions on that website or your rants. Yeah. You could check out our schedule for the month. Um, so is next is next week, are we going to uh, rant that uh, I didn't actually uh, succumb to Miss Thorne's charms, even though she is legal in this country? I, oh, I think I think the less said about that, the better, frankly. <laughs> Um, we're on Twitter at Move for Podcast. Please follow us. We're on Facebook at uh, Facebook in the Move for Podcast. Um, like us. Okay, so next week, have you seen this? Have you seen the no. trailer for Child Forty Four? No. Tom Hardy's Russian accent. Of course. It has been banned in Russia because of Tom Hardy's accent. That wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think so. <laughs> also, Numi Rapace is in that. Uh, we've got a little chaos. Yes, we do. Seeing that. Yeah, which is far from chaotic, <laughs> I tell you. But you know. Are you actually seeing this Mateus Schoenart film, or do I have to actually. I've seen it. Oh, right, okay. I've seen it. We also have The, the Salvation, which is a Mads Mickelson Western mm. from Christian Levering. Yes, totally seeing that one. No, isn't there someone better than that in it? No, we... that's the director, Christian Levering. No, no, there's somebody. It's, it's Eva Green, isn't it? Eva Green's in it, yeah. Well, she yeah. doesn't speak. I've seen that as well. She, she doesn't have to. <laughs> well, um, we also have <laughs> the last of it. As if Bella wasn't enough. Um, oh, come on. The la- that, that, that's a woman. <laughs> the last five years, which is an Anna Kendrick musical. And we also oh. have. Last Nights, which is Clive Owen and Morgan Freeman. Is that with a K? Yes. Oh, um, God. Stunning for that one. Really? Um, a fallen warrior rises against a corrupt and sadistic ruler to avenge his dishonoured master. So you've got a ruler, a warrior, and a master. <laughs> that's right on my alley. Um, I was going to say, that's, that's like the uh, contractual stipulation for Lars von Trier film. <laughs> Also, Shira, Ooh, Shira guy, Agdashley. Guy who did the guy who, the guy who did the Salvation did Fear Me Not. Have you seen that one? Or is that no. just me? It's a that is a Ulrich uh, Thompson Paprika Steen film, which is actually pretty good. It's about a bloke who Ulrich um, uh, um, signs up to do it, t- take antidepressants. Uh, and then the trials call off, and he carries on taking them anyway. Oh my god! Isn't that the story of? <laughs> 40% of Americans' lives. 
<laughs> but no, but so um, yeah, I'm definitely seeing the Salvation now because that's a uh, uh, the guy who directed that, and it's co-written by Anders Thomas Jensen, who is uh, Mister Everything screenwriting wise in Denmark. And it's a western. Yeah, and it's got Eric Cantona in it, and oh. Mikael Pers- and Mikael Persbrand, and Jonathan Price, <laughs> and Jeffrey Dean Morgan for you. I might have to. Well. Hmm. More for you than me. I have to. Um, I might have to rewatch that. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So next week should be good. So what were you talking about then? You were talking about no David James tracker. That can't be David James the footballer as well. What? No, South Africa. Sorry, it's a common name. <laughs> I was going to say Shira Agdeshlu's in last. Yes, Shira Ag- Last. Oh, last night. Oh. God, what happened to her career? She got stoned. St- the story of Soraya M, is that what you're mm. referring to? Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Alright, so we'll definitely have a podcast next week, because last week we said we w- were going to have... Last fortnight we said we were going to well, have one. Well, we you, well you, you were rather... Um, well, there go, the, go the beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> Just another week. We're not ending on Ed Sheeran drunk. I've been drinking, I've been drinking. I get filthy when that liquor get it to me. I've been thinking, I've been thinking. Why can't I keep my fingers off it, baby? I want you, na-na Why can't I keep my fingers off it, baby? I want you, na-na Cigars on ice, cigars on ice Feeling like an animal with these cameras all in my grill Flashing lights, flashing lights you got me pity, 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 baby I want you, nah, 